still have a downtime action. You have two. <laughs> Aha, yes, you still have both. It is now your turn to Because I get things. three as an unlikely hero. Da-na-na-na. Okay, so I... I think that potentially, based on the scene that just happened, maybe Vic wants to reach out to Nina, who was not present for the conversation that just occurred. Yeah, I think Vic gets in touch with Dice either through through Ruth or uh, through having like previously investigated them, and basically talks Dice through what what Vic's view of super compromised version of reparative justice that's available to us in this dystopia in terms of you have to directly face and acknowledge and accept responsibility for the pain that you have caused on the terms of the people that you've hurt and know that their guidance and their leadership is going to give you the best shot at truly making amends for having hurt people, especially if you've done it. Like, malice has to be handled more more sharply. The way that D- Dice got themselves mixed up in all of this is understandable, but it doesn't eliminate the hurt. And so mm-hmm. what I think you should do is to reach out to Ruth and ask, hey, Ruth, I would like to apologize, formally apologize to you and to Nina, and I want to do that on terms that will make both of you comfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're telling Dice this, and he's literally taking notes in a stenopad because this is a process that he has never de- deliberately engaged with in his entire days. And then, like, is Dice Vic- canny enough to realize that? Of course, Vic thinks that Ruth wants an apology just for the dream stuff. They don't realize that Ruth wants an apology for other stuff too. <laughs> So would Dice realize this or nah? <laughs> we'll have to learn that whenever you meet Dice again, I guess. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> that was me actually clearing my throat. That was not an ominous GM throat clear. <laughs> oh my god. But yes, you have that conversation with Dice. Dice seems kind of incredulous about the entire thing, but is deliberately very engaged with the idea of figuring out how to do this correctly. Alright, so then... If Nina hears from Dice about this, Nina's immediate response is to text Ruth and say, Ruth, please, I can't do this alone. Will you come help me? And so at this point, this is going to be a shared intimate moment in which Ruth can either agree <laughs> to do the thing or set boundaries and potentially just refuse. <laughs> Does Nina say, Ruth, you need to help me, I can't do this, meaning this as in Dice wants to apologize to me. I think that I'm what, not ready yeah. for that. I think that what Nina would say is Dice wants to meet with me to apologize. I don't want to go alone. Would you okay, please well, come with no me? Okay, well, there's no way Ruth is letting her go alone. But Ruth is going to text Kat. Because Kat is Nina's best friend, right? And Ruth is very mindful of boundaries and keeping Cat in the loop. So Ruth says, time and day, I'll de- I'm there. And then texts Cat with, hello, capital H, period. 
Nina. Calendron wants to talk to Nina. She is frightened. I am going as backup. If I get arrested, I'm sure my bosses will like you as a replacement. And <laughs> and then goes to the meeting. Cat <laughs> texts back, keep her safe, heart emoji, heart emoji. But because it, Ruth's phone is a brick, he doesn't get the emojis, he just gets the little box. Yeah. Yeah. And square, square. Ruth is like, my friends really love boxes for some reason, so whenever he makes them cookies, he always makes them square cookies. Okay, noted. The macarons are round, though, sorry. Guys. Yes, I'm pretty sure you can't help that with a macaron. Where do you all meet? I feel like it's only fair that Dice insists that the meeting, the meeting place should be determined by you all, so you all feel like you have a place where it is relatively safe for you and not being controlled by him. Yes, Nina would definitely want to meet somewhere that is like an open space kind of thing, like possibly somewhere that is waterfront. She actually has like a special place that she goes to when she's very stressed out that's that's waterfront, but she would not take them there because she does not want that place polluted with this situation. <laughs> but she would want to potentially go to somewhere similar or portion of the park that is not like the creepy bad park. <laughs> It's just been somewhere that is kind of like open like that in public, but far enough away from other people that potentially no one would overhear them talking. Okay. As they're deciding the location, Ruth is um, updating Kat with this the entire time. And then when they finally settle on one, it's like, ah, capital A, (laughs) period. There is water here. It's deep. Oh my god. Um, Does Dice know how to swim? That's incriminating! It is deep, though. Just observing that water is deep is not a crime? (laughs) Or is it in Cloud Harbor? (laughs) In context, when they find Dice's body in said water, those text messages will be entering the evidence. It's fine. (laughs) And if they find it, it's obviously somewhere shallow. So it's not like they're going to put it together. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Let's get to this. Oh, Lord. Um, right. So uh, um, you get to this quaint Italian restaurant just north of the waterfront. Not your favorite place. Um, not a place that you typically frequent. So you kind of picked it because you're never going to come. It has already been sullied. You're never going to come back here again. Dice shows up in powder blue jacket, powder blue shirt, red tie, white trousers. He is carrying a lilac gift-wrapped box in his hand. And he shows up. Both of you are already here. You get the impression that... In fact, no. Ruth... Give me a one die fortune roll. Yes, sir. One die fortune roll. One d six. That is a three. You get the impression that he is very, very nervous about this engagement. You get the impression that that nervousness is guided by some kind of behavior, but you can't really tell what. He sees you both uh, sitting outside. 
there are not like it, this place is very weirdly designed such that most of its seats are outdoor seating only because there is not enough space inside for the kitchen to not drown people with smoke so they just decided to make this large awning instead so the indoors is just a kitchen and one like major d at the door so dice comes to the table where you're both sitting stands very awkwardly at the side of it and goes thanks for coming to talk to me i wasn't also expecting ruth to be here yeah um so i'll let me just uh, he puts the box down takes out a handkerchief wipes his very sweaty forehead puts it away um i know that this is not ideal I know that there are dozens of reasons why you wouldn't want to speak to me right now, but I wanted to make sure that I had an opportunity to tell you to your face that I wronged you and you have every reason to not want, as a result, to continue engaging with me. I am sorry that you were put in this position. I am sorry that I was the one who was responsible for harming you in this way. Dreams are a specific kind of trauma, and it hadn't occurred to me what I was visiting upon the people that I hurt until... until... you all spoke to me. And I know that you don't owe me anything as a result, and I'm just trying to fix this because I know that you all have the power to stop this from happening. But before you all can do anything, I owe you an apology. So I'm here to let you know that I am determined to do whatever I can in my own power to work against this and that I can't ever do anything about the pain that I caused you, but I can make sure that no one else experiences that ever again from the dozens of other enforcers that they have in play as much as I can. And I wanted you to know that. And it just kind of shuffles there awkwardly for a little bit, and then like glances out of the corner of his eye to Ruth and goes, Can I talk to you privately, please? Ruth sets his jaw and says I am here for Nina I am not here for you and then looks to Nina and says Nina are you okay yeah I think I'm okay I think I'm okay I have to roll forgive to find out if I'm genuinely okay though because that's (laughs) (laughs) yes you should yes um that, this is our first instance of forgive being used in the game, I believe. Yes, and so either what Nina just said was actually a lie uh, in which she was trying to cover up her true emotions, or she does actually feel better after hearing all of that. And mm-hmm. so uh, this is technically a social link action with Ruth, um, mm-hmm. an intimacy. And so Ruth 
can either like assist, I guess, technically it's, it's, do you share this moment or set boundaries? So if you share it with um, me, I get an extra die roll. I think by virtue of being here, it's sharing the moment because mm -hmm. if, he had uncharacteristically just abandoned you to deal with <laughs> Calendron by yourself, and that is definitely setting a boundary. Yeah. So then, additionally, I do get another plus 1d when rolling a social link, which I forgot to do last time, because that is part of the Unlikely Hero playset. Oh. Um, yes, it, as long as I am still only mortal, I do get mm -hmm. plus 1d. So I get to roll 3d for this particular nice. activity. So here we go. There's a five, a four, and a three. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, a five means that you have three social links, which now Ruth gets to determine how it's split. I know it's in the game's best interest if Ruth keeps some of them, but Ruth is the wary caretaker and gives Nina all of them. Oh no! <laughs> wow! Okay. I wish I could decline that, but as I cannot. <laughs> you cannot. And in any case, Ruth wouldn't let you. <laughs> All right. And so then at that point, so yes, Nina's like, yeah, thank you. I, I, f I think, I think we're going to be okay. But Nina, beca because Nina is carrying so many social links, Ruth can't stop her from spending those links on him during the mission. <laughs> Don't remind me right now. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, uh, and then as a follow-up, then Nina will say, do you, do you want to talk to him alone, or do you want to go? Ruth looks at Dice and says, you done? Um, um, uh, uh, talking to Nina, yeah. All right. Looks to Nina, let's go. Nina looks at the box on the table and is like, is, is that, is that for, is that for me? Or? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, uh, sorry, um, um, just, uh, some notes that I kept around about some of the folks that I spoke to, um, if you wanted to look at those at some point. Yeah, um, it's not a lot, but I figured it would be useful. I will take the box, and I will say, I hope, I hope this helps us. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I guess I'll go then. Stands there awkwardly for a beat and a half, <laughs> and then starts walking away. Ruth updates Kat immediately. Kat gets the sense of somebody who has latched onto the role of chaperone with extremely unhealthy zeal because it lets them ignore their own feelings about something. Ruth also mentions the notes yeah. uh, for everybody to go through together at some point. So Nina, then, Nina will also text Kat with no context. He gave me a box of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Kat texts Ruth back with, I'm so proud of you for not killing him. Heart emoji, heart emoji. <laughs> and Ruth her, her text to means. Nina is just like, is it good stuff? It's notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I don't know. <laughs> Sweat smile. <laughs> so what I'd like to do, because Vic no longer has any, is that we do an investigation on the notes, question mark, to see if that leads us to another suspect. I will take the third, um, my third downtime action. So I will say anyone who wants to come with, let's go meet somewhere like Mercier and Roses or somebody's <laughs> house or a safe house that we all agree to meet at sometimes for reasons. I feel like we need to find more places to meet that aren't Monsieur and Roses because <laughs> I do feel a little bit responsible for that smoke bomb going through their window. <laughs> There's this movie theater that got closed down and we go hide in the projection booth. It smells a little funny, but that's okay because Ruth has lots of candles. So uh, I will say there is an abundance of places all over most of Northwest Cloud Harbor that you are actually very familiar with. Many of those places you haven't gone to in quite some time because there are places that were introduced to you as meeting places for Dream Night shenanigans by Euphony. And all of them have feelings. I mean, we will we will just go and we will do the thing, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we will we, we can potentially receive the notes outcomes next time, maybe to lead into whatever's going on, or unless you want to do it now. But I can roll for that. There are snippets that can be revealed at the moment. Yes. So I'll say it like very awkwardly. Like there is a bar that uh, Euphony liked to go to precisely because there is one booth. That was reserved for them by one of the owners because they just liked Euphony like that and let Euphony just hang out there. And since uh, Euphony's passing, it has been reserved for you all in a kind of in an act of respect for them. So you meet there and decide you're gonna go over the thing. Mm-hmm. At which point. Your investigate role should be, I think. Give me analyze. Nina, That's how you... many dice I have in that. It's none. one. None? Okay, uh, this is going to be delightful. Uh, Ruth has one dot in analyze, so Ruth can use the action here to investigate the notes. Aha. Yeah, that works for me either way. So yeah, give me a one die fortune roll. That's a six. Wow. Investigate is doing a lot of work this season. So, the contents of this box are 13 handwritten small moleskin notebooks in which Dice essentially journaled some parts of his experience in the dream. It starts out with the tone of a lucid dreaming journal, that the implication is essentially he thought that he was given this, like, weird semi-cultish opportunity to be physically observant in dreams and was merely documenting what that experience would be like in the presence of other dreamers and started realizing, no, he had been given a goal to perform and that this goal was actually giving him some modicum of purpose as a result. At which point, he notes that early in the process, the people that he met face-to-face were 
not enforce it. So it's just like, like he describes essentially being introduced at a restaurant to a colleague of uh, someone who had just retired from cage fighting, who kind of sold him up on this idea of what he describes in the journal as what if you got all of the emotional fulfillment of joining a religious community without ever actually having to pray or believe in a god? Uh, He was like, this sounds silly. I want to find out how silly this is. And that's how he started getting involved in this, like, weird lucid dreaming process and discovered that it was actually kind of emotionally enlightening for him. And then the purpose of continuing the enforcement of this process's rules were actually very purposeful for him. But whenever he got commissions to actually meet someone in their dream, those conversations were conversations that he didn't have with anyone face-to-face. He either received letters in the mail, often in, uh, often left in the mail for places other than his home, um, where no one should know him by name, or uh, received text messages from an unknown number. But whenever those things happened, it almost essentially confirmed that if he were to go to sleep that night, he would end up in that person's dream anyway. He just knows that that is the place where he has a responsibility to do the thing. And then started learning more forcefully how to manipulate the dream, how to find access into other people's dreamscapes, um, even and especially when he does not know who they are, how to be, how to maintain deliberate awareness of the dreamscape beyond waking, etc. But all of these specifics about all of those operations are way further down in those notes. Because he doesn't figure out exactly how those processes are until he starts experimenting over and over. But the thing that you do learn definitively as a result is that he has spoken to dozens of people who are fundamentally under the effect of the conspiracy, who are implied to be not as powerful or in the know as another enforcer would, and therefore he doesn't have much more information than the notes that he's taken. Okay, so Ruth basically speed reads all of that, going off that great old cramming ability from uh, nursing school. You just gotta stuff in all the information as quickly as possible, even though it's about dice, and he hates that. And basically arranges to pass that information through to the rest of the group. Ah, right, because you got a six. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me actually qualify as well. A great deal of those initial notes also name several of those people by name, because when this started out, it was just a journal. He becomes more cagey around book six, and you haven't gotten much further than book seven, but in the earlies, he has no problem just naming people that he's met in this weird culty thing. And you have a handful of those names. Diana Middleton, Colin Stevens, Janet Clark, a handful of other scribbles of things. You pass this information off to everybody. Vic, of the names that I have mentioned, you know one of those names. Colin Stevens is a student, right? Uh, no. That's not the name that I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah? Well, then I don't know. Yeah, you do. You know someone named Clark, don't you? Janet Clark. 
Um, let me go to our suspects list. Oh, yes. Janet Clark works with Vic at uh, uh, Julius Aylston. Hi. Yeah. The immediately, as you are getting snippets of information from these journals, that name immediately strikes you. I will say that Ruth send, like, sends the list of names to Vic in full. And just sends that proper punctuation and all, saying, might be people you want to look into. And then, Janet Clark is right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Vic responds quickly. I already know one of these people. We can start there. Ruth rolls his eyes off screen. Uh, so Sorry, the, um, if we're all meeting in that bar, I have a detail to add, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. So since this is a bar that they went to with, with Euphony, when this group kind of reconvenes there, Vic orders their own drink and then orders whatever drink Euphony would get at this bar and leaves it at the empty fifth space while the other four of them kind of do their business. Oh god. This bar has a drink that they made for Euphony. There is like... God, it's... It's called the stained glass, and it's like a Long Island iced tea with extra steps, and it's like unnecessarily beautiful and shimmery. Like they literally add like edible glitter to the drink and everything like that. It's like it's an unnecessarily flashy drink and also very, very strong. Do you have a name for this bar that we're that we went to? The Big Fig. It's I just- love that. I love that. Out of nowhere. <laughs> of course it's called that. And of course everybody knows what that means and no one says anything or questions anyone. You order your drink and the waiter goes and something for Euphony as well before you even say anything and is back with both drinks like almost remarkably quickly. You notice very idly that this waiter is also very adept at moving through an entirely crowded dance floor full of people who are dancing very eagerly on him without ever dropping a spill of drink at all. Uh, He gives you your drink and places Euphony's drink exactly in front of the part of the booth where where they would usually sit, almost like uniquely center in that quadrant of the table. And says, hope they enjoy it. And steps away. Beautiful, thank you. And Kat, either at this bar or later on, you still have one downtime action. I do. Oh dear. Hmm. (laughs) I do. Oh dear. Wow. One more action means more time. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop. Uh, (laughs) I think next time... Dice works a shift on the door at Somnio. Kat's going to let the other girls go early during cleanup so that it's just the two of them. And she's going to ask him about the cards with the eyes. We are investigating a great many things today. You know what? Yeah, give me a... Please let it be analyzed. How many dots do you have in Express? One! I do have one! Okay, give me an Express. Give me an Express okay. fortune roll. Just give me 1d6. 
You know what? At least it's something I had a dot in. And that's a six. Wow, jeez. Wow, wow, jeez. So many sixes. Yeah. May this also always happen in these games. Put that on the investigation track as well. We have overfilled the track. Tier this three is wild. This is wild. This is wild. Um, so, you mentioned the cards to Dice, and he sighs a little bit and says, Do you mind if I sit down? Go ahead. Doesn't sit by a booth, just sits by, like, a table. And goes, to be honest with you, I don't know what those cards do, but they do something. Just like... I... At Monsieur the other night, um... When those two guys came in, they threw something, and I could have sworn it was a card that they threw. It acts the same way. I don't know what it does. It's... So when Cats. they... Cat's finished wiping down the bar, and, and she pours two small little things of whiskey on the rocks and comes to sit down with him. Is one of those for him? Mm-hmm. Downs it in one go. <laughs> she has manners! Would have been funny, but... <laughs> Like, doesn't even wait for you to actively offer it to him, takes it from you and just downs it in one go. So when I started doing this thing, they told me if I didn't know how to get to someone, I can make the way that I get to them. Didn't know what that meant for weeks and weeks. And then they started giving me all these names of people that I didn't know, people that I never met. Asking me, giving me details about places and things that I didn't know anything about, knowing that I would get into those dreams. And then, this one person that I started working with started, like, telling me that she knew I could focus the thing, but knew that I needed to figure out how. How to walk... Between dreams is what she said. So she told me that there are these conduits that they use. Um, she reaches into the front pocket of his shirt and pulls out two parts of a torn card. Uh, you, you can tell just looking at the color of the card itself, just that the, the texture of the card itself, that it was one of those uh, eye cards. And he continues, so she said that this opens doors to dreams, and I didn't know what it meant. I was just, I mean, everything was working, so I just started doing the thing, right? So she said that whenever I needed to find someone in the dreamscape and I didn't know anything about them other than where they were, all I needed to do was make sure that they had one. And that was easy enough for me. I get in fights. All I need to do is hit somebody and leave it on them. They're already asleep, right? I, I say all of this like it, I still think that it's cool. He pauses for a bit to like settle in the thought of that statement before he continues. The cards do something else. I don't know what, but one of the things that they do is... They 
open doorways into the dreamscape specifically for people who do not know how. That when you give it to someone who is ignorant, someone who knows, can always locate them in the dream. It doesn't work the other way around. Once somebody knows, I think it just kind of fritzes out or something. I I think. I don't know. All I know is it's just a funky piece of card and glass that drops, uh, drops it on the table. You notice as he does so that inside the card is actually like what looks like dust. And as you look at it more closely, it looks like the dust of glass or crystal. Which is what makes the card, which just kind of dawns on you that that's probably what makes the card look and feel so thick. That it's just like this layer of glass dust inside it. And he's like, I, other than that, the specifics, I'm not sure. I just, I was doing what they told me and it was working. I'm sorry. I wish I could give you more than that. You know what you could do for me that would be super helpful? Yeah, what? She picks up the card and waves it at him and says, Find out where they make these. That might be tricky. We're not supposed to know, I think. I can. I, can I think see I've what I can learned do. something about you in the last week, and that, it's, that you are tremendously good at doing things you're not supposed to. So I think I'd like to make that work for us for now. Okay, um. It's going to take some time, I guess, as we have all already discovered. They already don't think they can trust me anymore, but I'm sure I can still mm-hmm. pull some strings before they figure out. I'll see what I can find out, but... You're a smooth talker. I have faith in you. What I've discovered over the past week is that I am... Smoother with my fists than with my gift of gab. But I'll accept that. I'll see what I can do. Thank you. The whole team will appreciate it. No, we won't! While Ruth is sneezing somewhere else in uh, Cloud Harbor, Dice says, Can you just do me a favor, though? If I do find anything out, don't let... Ruth know that you got it from me? I'll keep it in mind. In oh, in mind. Okay, cool. In mind. See? Um, cool. Alright, um... Yeah, well... I guess since work's done for the evening, I should probably head out. Um, Be safe going home. Don't get yourself mugged. Okay. And... As... He heads out very quickly and idly. In fact, no. I Before I get to this point, I should qualify. Uh, my math is still good, right? No one has any downtime actions left, I think. Uh, we're clear. Yep, we're all, we all just cleared them, yep. Dice says, okay, I guess I'll head out then. Um, reaches into his pockets to check for something goes, oh, right, um, I left my 
bag inside. I'm gonna go in the back and get it. Um, goes into the lounge to get his uh, fanny pack, because that's where he keeps some of his vital uh, stuff when he's working. At, just as he steps inside, Siobhan shows up. Siobhan didn't have any work. They didn't uh, have a shift t- this evening. Uh, it's just passing through, says, Hi, uh, Charlotte, I'm sorry I didn't... I, I know I'm not supposed to be here, I just wanted to... I think I left something in the lounge. Um, I'm just gonna go in the back and get it. I just head back on my way. I just realized I may have left this behind. I'm sorry. Um, just kind of skips ahead of you, kind of meekly on the way to the lounge. You continue closing up, neatening up, getting ready to wrap up. You notice... Dice, very briskly walking out. Doesn't say goodnight, doesn't say he's leaving, just kind of brushes past you. Meanwhile, Siobhan steps back out, um, goes, found it, holds up, like an iPhone 8 or something like that. Continues uh, on her way, says goodnight, uh, tells you that uh, she'll be uh, in early for uh, her next shift. And the camera pans out of Somnio and follows the street alongside the bar as Dice Calendrin is now taken off in a full sprint down this street, is rushing several blocks, looking behind him the entire looking behind him the entire time. Siobhan is just continuing to walk, continuing down the street very slowly behind him. And then Dice decides, you know what? I actually need to lose her. I'm going to turn this corner. He turns left. Just this sharp turn left uh, towards uh, the waterfront. And the camera turns towards that alley. There's nothing there. No garbage. No trash cans. No stray cats or dogs. No dice calendrin. Nothing is in this alley. And Siobhan just continues walking past it and slowly leaves the bottom half of the torn card that uh, he had with him when he was inside at the corner of the alley. And continues walking on away. And as it now continues to be night... You all in your homes, in your all either getting ready for bed or in some cases perhaps even avoiding as much as possible the urge to be driven into sleep. Uh, all of you notice this strong green glow coming from the nearest piece of glass in your home. You have no idea what that's about. Not it's not every it's not very often that someone that is not another dream knight has given you a signal in a piece of glass that a dream thing is happening. But each of you notice it and go, "That's kind of fucking weird." But before any of you can even respond, all of the lights in all of your homes suddenly dim. 
And that's where we're going to end tonight's session of Girl by Moonlight Fractal's Bio. Brandon. So, yeah. That was not enough of a cliffhanger. I, needed mo- I need more of a cliffhanger. <laughs> I put some cliffhanger oh, God. on your cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes a lot of things just happen all at once. This conspiracy hates you, remember? Um, but yes, you have all learned some things. Some of you learned more things than others. And we're going to get into what some of those things that you have learned are at a later point as you in, uh, as you enter into the mission stage of this episode in our next session. But until then, I would like to know uh, how you all felt about this session. A lot of things have happened. What are all of your feelings at this at this point in time? Green emoji. <laughs> oh my god. Agreed. I'm I'm really unhappy in, in like the the this is great way. Because I get the feeling we have to save him <laughs> at some point. He's a dice, um, dice damsel in distress. <laughs> oh! <laughs> also, I just love every aspect of how Cat interacts with dice. It just makes me very happy inside. <laughs> I love how each of you have like your own unique interactions with dice and i want to i want to give you all opportunities to like have that with as many other people as possible where even when you all have the same goals you all encounter those goals in vastly different ways also card things um that that deck is continually getting weird and i'm i i i adore it a great deal so yeah i'm very excited for our next session but until we get to the point where we where our next session finally happens, I would like to ask all of you um, to please let all of you lovely people in chat know who you are, what you do, and where folks can find more of you. Starting with Mike. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike. Uh, I pu- publish as Michael R. Underwood. My book, Ecomancy, is coming back out in paperback and ebook this Tuesday. Hooray! So I'm excited about that. I am planning to go to Origins where Arv and I will be meeting people and selling books and remembering that the world exists, which is strange. Um, you could find me on Twitter at Mike R. Underwood. I stream at twitch.tv slash TurboTango. So that's me. Same. I'm also very hype. Also, if you meet Mike at Origins, you are obligated to buy all, all of the books that you see. Um, because buying those books also supports us at Speculate. Um, because we need to live in order to continue making more speculative content. But yes, next, uh, Valerie. Hello, I remain Valerie Valdez. She or pronouns. You can find me online on Twitter at Valerie Valdez. And you can buy my books in places, including Chilling Effect and Pride Inceptions. And you can pre-order Fall Tolerance, which Mike is holding up. Thank you, Mike. And you can also catch me on Twitch at The Kids Are Asleep, which is when I play video games. Fun things like Hades and Mass Effect 3, and also Horizon Zero Dawn right now. Next, Yoi. Hello, and very soon goodbye. Yoi Gawain Lin, he, they pronouns, game and fiction writer. You can find me on Twitter at This Is My Design. Design is spelled capital D A S E I N. It is a philosophy and Hannibal pun. Do enjoy. Nice. And last but not least, Yoi. Kusan Yoi. Claire in West Class of 2017. I'm one of them, they, thems. You can find me on Twitter at Yori Kusano, at kusanoyori.com, 
forthcoming publications, Apex and in Neon Hemlock. And don't forget, that is spelled I-O-R-I. There are no L's in my name. One of these days we're going to make a command for that. It's going to be a lot. And as for me, um, I have been your humble GM, uh, Brandon O'Brien. Pronouns he, him, or they, them. Poet, science fiction writer, and game designer. Uh, you can get my poetry collection, Can You Sign My Tentacle, wherever you get your poetry collections, but preferably not Amazon, but somewhere on the internet. Also, I'm going to have a poem coming up in an upcoming issue of Uncanny Magazine, and I have a lot of feelings about it. If you either like or don't like Hideo Kojima's video games, I think you will adore that poem. That's all I'm going to say about it. But yes, you can find me online on most places at the Rising Tides, including Twitch, where I'm going to start streaming again, I promise. And as always, I am also one of the co-hosts of Speculate. Thank you so very much for joining us this evening. Thank you so very much for spending all of your lovely time with us as we engage in tonight's uh, game of Girl by Moonlight Fractal Spire. Enjoy the rest of your week, and last but not least, sweet dreams. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com. Hi everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvanelleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.